going to laugh all through this. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us again today on our next study in the encounter. Today is for Sunday, March 13th of 2022. We are jumping into John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Before we really get into our scripture this morning, if you have not joined us before, I am Reverend Rebecca Zardi. I am the Director of Ministry with Women for the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And today I have my cohort in crime with me. I'm not a criminal. You're not well, depends on the day, I think. <laughs> My name is Chris Fleming. I am the director of adult, or I'm the adult ministry coordinator for the ministry yeah. council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And uh, the encounter is my baby. Uh, I show <laughs> pictures of it when I go around and meet people. Uh, so I'm glad to be able to do that service uh, for the church. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I enjoy getting emails and um, both the compliments and the and the uh, not so happy things, but I don't get those too often. So I appreciate that. And, um, and I'm glad to be with you. And I really do love this quarter. This has been probably one of my favorite quarters that I've, I've gotten to be a part of. So. Amen. Yeah. Jennifer Newell has done a fantastic job at these lessons so far. I'm really excited about what she wrote today. It was a really, really good lesson. Um, anything we want to highlight? I did want to talk about the Yap app. If you, if you're, um, you know, we're working on just past the first Sunday of Lent. If you have not joined us on the YAP app, please download the YAP app and look for CPC Lent and join us for our daily devotions and reflection questions and prayers through the season of Lent. And I will echo that. Uh, one of the other jobs that I do is the evotions. Uh, and what I've done is if you go on just the Evotion site, cpcmc.org forward slash Evotions, it's like Devotions takes off the D, but I've got those correlated to where the same information is on the Evotion site that is on the Yap app. So if you're uncomfortable with the with the app stuff or don't know how to do it, then you can go to cpcmc.org forward slash Evotions. You will not, however, get to see our weekly videos, uh, and that will be the only difference. But right. Um, Anyway. And everybody wants to see my smiling face for their weekly videos, right? Sure. Yeah, That's what my husband says too. <laughs> absolutely. All right. Oh, okay. Anything else? Good there? Okay. John chapter 13. Let's start with our prayer for illumination today. Lord, sometimes we read these stories, but they do not penetrate our hearts. We ask that you illumine our minds and hearts that we might clearly understand your word for us today. And grant us the grace that through understanding, we will also do what you command. Amen. Excellent way to start our study today. So John chapter 13, we're talking about washing feet. Yeah, washing feet, but there's a lot of things that go on um, in John 13. Uh, It's one of my favorite passages, and it's helped me to think about a lot of my Christian life or life in general. So I'm excited to talk about it. Good deal. Our memory verse today is John 13, 16. It says, very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. And Jennifer begins us with some great discussion questions. She says, if you knew this was your last night on earth, how would you spend those precious hours? Would you gather for one last meal with your closest friends as Jesus did? That sounds pretty good. Would you tell those friends everything that was on your heart and mind? Maybe. Would you do the dishes and take out the trash? Probably not. Probably not. So Chris, if it was your last night on earth, 
how would you spend those precious hours? I don't know. Um, I do love my wife very much. I think it would have to involve her and I love my children. I think it would have to involve them. Um, I don't know. I've, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm not real. I don't know. There's, I don't know. I don't know. There's too much good, honestly. That's true. That I could try to distill, but I guess if I had to, depends on where I was at. Uh, but right. I think my family would probably be part of the equation. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And watching my children do the dishes might be the, it might be the cherry on top. Actually, that would be kind of fun to watch. Watch them do the dishes and take out yeah. the trash. Yeah. yeah. Ah, finally you have learned <laughs> little grasshoppers. Yeah. You feel guilty <laughs> enough probably if they knew it was my last night to do it. So that would be maybe fun. that's true. That's hilarious. I don't know. That that's an excellent question. I don't know if I've ever really thought that deeply about that. I probably have a meal with my friends and family, you know, my closest people that that mean a lot to me in my life. I, but at the same time, I don't I don't know. It's kind of like Jesus understood that this was probably one of the last times that they were going to gather together, but I don't think the disciples understood at all. No, I think. And, so. and for me, I think it would be the same if I understood that this was my last night on earth, but my family and friends didn't understand what I really wanted. I don't know. That's hmm. so That's a good question. The other thing that I, and this is, I, I don't know how deep we'll get into it. She only kind of mentions it one time, but here's the thing. Like if we really believed in eternity too, which I'm not saying we don't, that one of the phrases in John 13 that has captivated my imagination for years, and I've thought about it, is that very first, uh, let me get to it and read to you, and, and I'm not chasing rabbit, I promise I'm not, all right, um, it's verse three, John 13, verse three, Jesus, knowing that the father had given him, or given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God, and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his sound robe, uh, and tied up, you know, and then he, it's this sense in which God or Christ knew that this wasn't going to be his last supper, so to speak. He, sure. he had this sure, relationship sure. with God and everything. And so here's why I bring that up. When we ask ourselves or like a Tim McGraw, it's, it's country music quarter. You, you uh, are in the country music quarter. So live like you were dying. You go yeah. skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing, all that jazz. But when somebody asks that question, it automatically revolves around us. Like if, if you were thinking about your last day, you would, what would you do? What would I do? I mean, I'd do this, this, and this. And, and, and that's because we have this sense of it's our last thing, but Jesus knew that it was, there was something more. And so when he thought about his last night, it wasn't about him at all. It was about other people. Um, and there's a sense in which I think he grasped his relationship with God. He grasped eternity better than we did. And so it wouldn't be abnormal for him to serve to the end because it wasn't about him and it wasn't his last night right it was continuation oh, what a beautiful thought yeah so maybe maybe we should look at that in a different light than understanding as followers of christ that this is a temporary location and that we're going to go to our eternal home that this isn't the end here it's so hard to as human beings have, it's so sure. hard to think about that yeah, I mean, you have to really kind of take your humanness out of it, but that's all we know is our humanness. So that would be, that's hard for us to do. Well, that's where Jennifer really starts us off on this lesson on, on foot washing is understanding that this is, 
this is the setup in John, that this is the last meal that Jesus is having with his disciples, earthly uh, meal before the crucifixion. And then she jumps into the historical setting. Um, I really appreciate that in the first paragraph that she sets up that in the synoptic gospels, the last supper is the Passover meal, but in John, the last supper happens the day before, which means that Jesus's death coincides with the slaughter of the Passover lambs. Yes and no. So like, okay. yes, Shoot. maybe uh, that's a historical. So this is again here, John, if you do the math, this is probably not the past, right? So it presents itself as a Passover meal, but it's not when everybody else would be doing one. Sure. Okay. But what that does, and this is where I go back to where sometimes when people buck up against the idea that, um, and their understanding of the atonement, John was literally tying Jesus Christ to the slaughtered lamb. Right. Yes. And I don't yes. think there's any way around that to be faithful to at least John's gospel. You can think of Christ's atonement in many ways, but John wanted Jesus to be seen as a sacrificed lamb for people. Yes. So, yes. Absolutely. And this is an example thereof. Yes. And that's, I think that's whether you understand it this way or whether you understand it better with the synoptic gospels as this is the Passover meal, Jesus is always the sacrificial lamb that he is the one that atones for the sins of the world. Yeah. So think about that this. Is it. The that is it. What John's trying to do is when Christ says, this is my body, this is my blood. There's a lamb that's bleeding mm -hmm. in the, in outside in the community. Mm -hmm. So, anyway. Yes. Yep. Always, always interesting. So we have this, we have this whole setup, this whole scene that she is setting up that John is setting up for us about, the sacrificial lamb and i love how she talks about that john speaks of the world more than twice as often as the other three gospels combined mm -hmm. uh, that's really cool um and the word that john uses um is cosmos which is the greek root for familiar words like cosmic or cosmopolitan what do you think about that um yeah i mean that's an important thing and, and the yeah. way john uses it is that god so loved the world not just people i like god loved the world system that he created and it fell god loves human interaction human organization god loves life god loves everything about it and he's come to redeem that right so it's not while we get to the us versus them kind of thing a lot of times john will even set that up light and darkness or whatever else god has come to redeem the whole world like all of human human existence um so I think that's where John distinguishes himself from what the way the synoptics would use it. Like when he says world, he means the world, like everything, the whole it. thing, yeah. everything, not just humanity, but the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. That's a very um, Northern phrase. Yeah, it is. I just thought about that. Sorry. <laughs> I need to get you some fruit tea. <laughs> I need some fruit tea. Oh my goodness. How funny. So yeah, so we're looking at this this atonement, this setup that God's coming, that Jesus came to to redeem everything, all of it, all of it together. And then she talks about foot washing. Now, okay, I have been to a foot washing. I have myself. Have you? Mm -hmm. Um, I have to be honest, it's not my favorite. Why? 
uh, I, I don't really like feet. <laughs> I yeah. think that's, I think that's the thing is I, well, and I don't like people touching my feet. I think that's, that's the big thing is I'm not, I'm not really that, that really I'm uncomfortable with that, but in the first century, you know, today we talk about foot washing as that's kind of a really different happening at a church when you advertise that we're going to do a foot washing foot washing in the first century was commonplace it was normal it was it was a task that had to be done um she points out here in our exploring the scripture that you did it as a sign of respect for your host hospitality as you were coming in off the street you know you'd be walking around your feet are dirty you've stepped in we don't want to know what so it's a respect thing for your host. Um, possibly if the host had servants and the servant was going to take care of this for you. She also says that a wife might wash her husband's feet or student as teachers, but for Jesus to step down from his position as rabbi and to be washing his disciples feet, that was not normal. That no. was an unusual thing to happen. Yeah. So what did you, so for, for us to do a foot washing today is something, it's a special thing. It's a, it's a unique opportunity. It's an ordinance in some churches. Okay. And for, for them, that was, that was a normal task. So again, I don't mind them. It's just not my favorite thing because I don't, I don't like people touching my feet, but for yeah. you, have you've been to a foot washing? What, what did you experience? I've washed feet and I've had my feet washed on okay. several occasions okay and uh, and how how did that translate for you um so it's very weird like because I, I hear people say that you know this like even jennifer reverend jennifer uh says you know it was foot washing you know today the point no but yes it is so like the things that you described um that you're uncomfortable with mm-hmm I almost see Peter say, Lord, you'd never do that to me. Right. Like it's, sure. that's our first reaction It's like, no, this is completely too uncomfortable for me. And mm. I think that's the point. Even, even if it was commonplace back then, um, yes. it was still uncomfortable for Peter to be served by Christ. Right. Um, probably my, and here's the real funny thing. Like the reason why, all of my feet washing have been interracial worship services um That's believe really it or cool. not yeah so like um there's some symbolism there yeah um that was not lost on anyone right so um it, there's a sense of vulnerability because feet are ugly yes and so it's like it's a very intimate i mean this is a very intimate act now yeah keep going with that I'm i would just say up. like there's a lot of times we christians spend more time explaining away the things that jesus says now that i've for instance go and sell all your possessions give to the poor and mm -hmm. we will spend books trying to show that that was metaphorical but it wasn't for the person he was talking to and who's to say it is or uh when we talk about uh people and and sometimes people see fasting as a 
maybe a hypocritical thing or, or that, but you know, when Jesus talked about it, it said, when you fast, this is how you should do it. It wasn't like a, you know, optional thing. He just said, when you do it, assuming that you do it. And then, right. so when Jesus says, I've given you an example, you do likewise. And so, yes, if we wanted to keep it on the surface, then we would say, yes, every Monday, Thursday, we're going to wash feet. That's probably not what Jesus meant. Um, but you will not feel any weirder or stranger or humble after you've had your feet washed. Um, and, and probably you could talk yourself into washing someone else's feet and it wouldn't feel so uncomfortable to you when you right, get your no. foot washed. Yes, that's that's where I'm uncomfortable. And that's where Peter was uncomfortable. And that was the point. Like, right. What are you going to do with that information? Like someone mm -hmm. has washed your feet. They have been intimate. You've bared your soul to that person. And at least when it's done in a church, it's done in such a way that your dignity is is kept intact. Because when sure. you open yourself to vulnerability to the world, um, you're opening yourself up to pain and hurt. But in this church service or whatnot, you're opening yourself up in vulnerability and, and someone cares for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I actually don't mind the foot washing service as much um, because I think it it's a wholly uncomfortableness. It is. And, and I guess probably I'm kind of like Peter in that essence. I have no problem serving others, but I have a problem with people serving me yeah maybe once that's happened maybe that's where that's where i'm at you know i was i was thinking about the intimate and the vulnerability of it i've worked in nursing homes and in home health care um you know i have given plenty of people um baths it's to, expected too uh, yes yes but there's also i think one of the most intimate intimate things that i ever had to do was um, when I worked in a nursing home when I was 18, part of my position as an activity, I was an assistant activity director, um, is I would massage with lotion some of the some of the people's hands because you know arthritis and their old age. And to me, that was such a beautiful blessing to be able to have that moment with that person and to be able to talk about their life history. And the things that they have done, the things that they have, you know, whether they were a farmer and you had like big joints and that sort of thing, um, just from all the work that they have done over the years. I mean, that was, it was a beautiful blessing of moment for me, but a very intimate thing yeah. too. So I, I can see what you're saying with, I think that's where my problem is. You know, now that I'm really pondering this is I don't have a problem washing somebody else's feet, but I have a problem with somebody serving me. Yeah, and that's maybe. So then the last thing that I would say is, is that it forces you a lot of things that keep me away from worship. And and maybe this is I use, when I first became a Christian, I didn't sing real loud because I was worried about what everybody else would think. Like, mm -hmm. do I sing well or do I not? I've gotten over that. Sometimes when I evangelize, I worry about, will this person think I'm stupid or not? And then I know when you start taking your shoes off and you're in the middle of a congregation and people are saying you're worried about you. And I think maybe that's an instruction to say mm, Jesus was able to, and I think Peter, it took him a little while, has nothing to do with anybody else. This is something that's between you and God, mm -hmm. or you and this fellow Christian, brother or mm -hmm. sister in Christ, um, that normalizes the vulnerability and the deepness. Mm 
That's it. That's all I'm going to say because we could do this. I love it. I love it. We could go on forever with this. That is really good thoughts for your Bible study today. Good thoughts for your Bible study today. Um, I think that kind of hits on some of the discussion questions there at the end of the historical setting. In what ways is the contemporary church a good reflection of Jesus for the whole world? Jesus is for the whole world love. What barriers do we face as we seek to better live out that love? I think you hit on several of those points as to what barriers do we face? You know, that's, that was a good point. Anything else in the historical setting before we jump on? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. All right. Going for hours on some of I, I'm telling you, you've, you've got it today. This is awesome. So comparing scripture with scripture, what do you got in that section? What jumped out to you there? So again, I do like the fact that she brings up, if we're not careful, we don't know this, but like we race through uh, the gospel of John, right? Yeah. John races through Jesus's life. And then one night takes up half the book, like, yes. well, you know, yes. one in three days take up half the book. And so that's yeah. good to know. And, and so what that's supposed to tell you as a teacher or as a student is really important. Like this was background stuff. He's setting up the confrontation and now he's not only showing what happens in the confrontation, but in these little ways, like the, meal beating being eaten at the night of the lamb or the slaughter of the lambs or the things that christ says on the cross or john coming up will make sure that he he is interpreting christ actions through the mm -hmm. old testament pointing to christ as the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world so um that's important to note mm -hmm. um and i you, you can go go ahead because there's something else, but I got to find it here real quick. Okay. All right. I think um, she starts us off with understanding that Jesus was operating on this divine timeline. And I love that because I think in our own lives, we often try to rush things because we think we need it right now or yesterday and understanding that no matter what happens, no matter what is going on in the world, um, whatever you're listening yes. to on TV, that, that there is a divine timeline that is taking place and that God is never not in control. He is yes. always in control, no matter what it looks like. I think that's what I wanted to highlight as well, too. Okay. So like in the gospel of John, this is also like, sometimes we have fights on who killed Jesus was the Jews, Romans, whatever. So what, Regardless who did it, Jesus Christ is making sure that it happens. He's going along with it. He's fulfilling these scriptures and he's, he's, he's purposefully choosing this. It's not pushed upon him. Right. Right. Cause at any point in time, like he tells Pilate later on, you know, I could call down, I could call down legions and we'd be done with this, but it's not the way it's going to be. Right. And so um, when we view Jesus's death, at least from the lens of John, it wasn't, it wasn't human done. I mean, it was done by humans, but there was a purpose. There was a purpose. And now yes. that makes people uncomfortable because again, like at any point in time, Jesus could have stopped this show according to the book of John, but he chooses yes. not to. Yes. And I think that's important for us to remember always that it was a choice that Christ chose this path to continue with this path that he chose to lay down his life because if it was, if it wasn't a choice, then it wasn't a sacrifice. And if it wasn't a sacrifice, it couldn't be an atoning sacrifice. It had to be a decision 
that was made by him that he he chose to do this in the full dignity of his humanhood yes right that's important yes absolutely i will say i just want to highlight on page 12 i love this about the kind of not the middle paragraph but it's it says in the passage peter misses the point repeatedly that paragraph i like yeah. this cleaning your feet before dinner is a good thing but taking a full bath before dinner that's overkill right yeah. and of yeah. course that's the uh you know jesus once jesus says look if, if i don't clean your feet then you have no part with me and then peter's like all right the whole thing do it do right? it all do it all yeah and and then she talks about peter's excessiveness but you know like human beings like peter's peter and good for him because peter did amazing things and peter did some terribly stupid things but mm-hmm. man he loved jesus <laughs> he, he really did <laughs> and it's so funny because i i recognize myself and peter a lot this this just impetuousness this jumping in okay yeah let's get it done and jump in with both feet and it's just yeah I I do appreciate Peter on so many levels. (laughs) Um, Another thing that she points out in here, and that is in the middle paragraph on page 12, is just the often misunderstanding that happens, you know, that Nicodemus didn't understand about being born again, and the Samaritan woman didn't understand about the living water, and then the sheep and and the gate for the sheep. And she says one of her favorite misunderstandings is John 8, where Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And then everybody gets mad. Like, what do you mean free? We're not slaves in the first place. And that is something I think in our culture that we struggle with in our Western culture is because we just, we have a hard time. We say that we live in the land of the free and we can do whatever we want. And so when you come to Christ and you're telling people you're being set free, what do you mean? I, I live in the land of the free. How, do, how does that work? And so that's, that's something hard, I think, for us to understand too. It is. Yeah. I think I'd highlight um, on page 13, uh, second paragraph above the discussion question. Yeah, I think this is probably what we need to highlight. Peter is focused on water and dirt, not on the intimate gift of the relationship the act represents. And I think yes. ultimately that's the purpose of a foot washing service. Yes. You know, it's not the it's not the foot washing. It's the it's the common humanity, the we're all on the same boat and yeah. God loves this kind of thing. I mean that so if if your foot washing service becomes just ritual, then you've missed it. Um like Peter, you're like, yeah, you know, this is, uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, I think that that's what, I, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Like every other, it, if it becomes ritual for ritual sake, then you've lost it. Then you've lost it. You've lost the meaning behind it. Yep. She closes that section when Jesus knows that some things his disciples don't understand now will be obvious later. Once Jesus has died and risen again, they will be able to look back on their experience with Jesus's examples and teachings and use their knowledge to finally understand and believe. And that is all about wisdom and growth, something that we should all experience. I know we've talked about it on these uh, lessons before that the way I see scripture now is not the way I saw scripture before. And a lot of things have changed, but that all again comes with wisdom and growth which dives right into our discussion question that she has from this section. 
Think back on your own growth as a Christian and recall a time when you misunderstood something about Jesus or about God's kingdom or even about the church. How did you come to realize you misunderstood and what changed you to unable to understand? How did that new understanding shape your choices, attitude, and or your expectations? What do you think? That's a big question. And we have talked a big about question. it before. I mean, like, I don't know. It's experiences. Experiences yeah. or new information. Um, we were talking before we got on this broadcast. Um, like, in the world, there's a lot of distrust or too much trust in the authorities. I mean, like, that's what was playing out in Jesus's day. Like, the authorities were wrong. And Jesus was saying, look, your authorities are wrong. Um, and so, but it's, sometimes it's the experience when, when, you, when you have, like, doctors or experts or whoever, scientists, whatever, and they say, here's what it is. But your living experientially just doesn't back that up. There's going to be distrust, right? Or there's going to be this thing. And I think just experiences of life, new information that I read or see or um, it's hard. I mean, that's how I change. Um, and so you can, I think maybe what Peter was trying to do when he was like, no, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Peter wanted to keep an image of Jesus that he was comfortable with, mm. but the experience pushed him to something different Yeah, and he's uncomfortable with it. And I, and, and the, the honest believer will say, okay, here's new information how do I align myself with it instead of continually trying to push things into your bias or whatnot? Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's the way I'd answer that. No, I think that's good. I think you, you may have, you may have convinced me that a foot washing might be a good idea. <laughs> you may have convinced me learning from the scripture. It's a rhetorical question when Jesus asks them, do you know what I've done to you? And they just don't get it. No, they don't get it. She talks about it being a parable in action. You know, John is filled with all of these. Uh, yes, that was a good point. Metaphors. I really did appreciate how she talked about that. Uh, there are all these metaphors that he gives, but now it's this parable in action, the story in action. And he takes them from this, she says, realm of theology to something more practical and personal. Hmm. He is being the example. Yeah. Like living out. And I think that's a really good point because if you look at the religious leaders of the day, they were really good at spouting their wisdom. They were really good at teaching lessons, but not so good at being an example for the rest of the people. Yeah, they were what... really good at taking widow's mites. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were, they were good at talking the talk, but not walking the walk. Yeah. And Jesus did both. And I think that's really important for us as we read through this and understand that Sometimes the church, I mean, let's be honest, sometimes the church is really good about telling people how they should live their life, but not so good about being examples on, on doing what we say we should be doing. Yeah. And I think maybe we put in some effort again, like foot washing, not foot washing, whatever. Yeah. I think in sure. page 14, it would be after the second paragraph, is the example we are to follow actually foot washing or is something else going on? And that's a very valid question. Again, like there were probably rituals in which the priests um, were 
supposed to show some kind of humility. There was probably something in some ritual somewhere, right? That, but it was just a ritual. It didn't, yeah. it didn't get into their lives. So um, she has a discussion about, you know, what, what, what does foot washing look like in the real world? Because obviously mm-hmm. it's not something you're going to do every day. Right. So what is the equivalent of foot washing? And I think some of it's just the humility that you were talking about or, or what. Yes. Serving others. I think you, you've really convinced me of that, that it is, it is about, it is about service to others. Yeah. She has it in here. Um, mm-hmm. She said, maybe instead of foot washing, I can't remember where it is, but it says, why don't you do some menial task? Um. I don't know where it's at, but I know I read it in here. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's in here somewhere. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's about, um, it's about being able to serve your brothers and sisters and, and those who don't even claim to be your brothers and sisters. It's about just being a servant to God's creation. Yeah. Um, so, and then she brings it up in 14 there for the modern, pretty much middle of the page for the modern Western yeah. church, these passages challenge us to allow Jesus to do for us as well. It bids us accept his gift of service and his help. Yeah. We cannot possibly serve Jesus as Jesus did until we allow Jesus to serve us. And I think that's absolutely true. Mm. You know, you can't evangelize if you haven't been evangelized. Sure. You can't, you know, you just, you can't. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know where it was. I don't know either. I was looking. I'm trying to find it, but I don't see it. Oh, there but it I is. Know what to talk about. Paragraph where, where, above the discussion question on 14. Instead of performing a symbolic liturgical act, why not do some menial chore that helps others experience the radical life-changing love of Christ? And I think that's yes. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah. That Super radical hard. life-changing love of Christ, that service, that being that humbling yourself enough to be able to serve others. But okay, so I'm going to flip that around because then it's also like, you know, where I'm struggling and obviously where Peter struggled was allowing others to serve you as, as well. And I know pastors, I know a lot of pastors struggle with that. You know, pastors across the board are pretty good at being able to give to their congregation, but when their congregation gives them in return, hmm. Yeah, that's that's me too. I mean, that's that's one reason why I probably like the foot washing service because it forces me forces me to receive something without you know making a joke about it. Like you know, I've had you know my church they would give me you know really really great great gifts, and it's very hard for me to receive praise while I'm standing behind a pulpit. Really, anytime. And so what I end up doing, and I had a pastor call me out on it one time, and that helped me. Like true humility. Is ex- I mean, like, I feel like I did a good job for that church and they were expressing gratitude. So, you know, take it. Right. And, yeah. and I think we get that. The, so that was the other thing about John 13 that I've thought about for years. One of the reasons why Jesus was able to do the work is because he knew his station. Like he knew his worth was in God. And because God loved Christ so much, it was no skin off Jesus or towel off Jesus to serve others because it wasn't a threat to him. He found his identity in loving God. So like washing feet's no big deal. It's not, it's not a humility thing or a humiliation. Huh. Yeah. 
I totally, I totally agree with that. Man, Sunday school teachers, I hope you're taking note. These are some good conversations to have with your people today. So she ends this section with this great question. What opportunities do you have to serve within your church, your community? Which needs, which needs seem to get the most attention? Which ones are often pushed aside and why? What obstacles have you encountered when you have attempted to enlist the help of others to meet a need? And I think that's a great question, especially given the conversation that we're having about the just being able to humble yourselves enough to be able to be in service to others, but also then to receive as well. So what kind of things do the church often do? I, I think we're really good at giving money. Um, we're really good at, I hate to say that we're, we're good at finding the big name things, the ones that are going to give us some notoriety, but we tend to look at the things that give us the most PR and the tasks that are, are just kind of like what she talks about being menial and not noticed. Um, those are the things that we typically kind of just yeah. glance right over top. What do you think? Yeah. The damning stat for churches would be if you called up your local food bank or your local soup kitchen, they can't figure out a good, they can't figure out how to fit everybody in from November 1st to January 31st on how to help and how to give, but then sure. they can't find anyone, Christmas. right? They can't find anyone to serve, you know, in August or July. And mm. so it's, it's our human nature. We do want to do good. That's not bad. Like, and, and right. you would never want to make someone feel bad for giving their time at Christmas, no, no, no. but you want to extend that to the menial things, the things. That, and some of it is, is because we just don't think about it. And that's a problem too. That, that's true. That's like true. We're still we hungry think about, yeah. We think about food boxes at Thanksgiving and Christmas mm -hmm. when we're gathering together with our families and, and having big dinners and we're gathering together with our churches and having big dinners. So we think about those food boxes or food baskets at that point in time, but we don't think about those food boxes in the middle of July. Yeah. Cause it's not, it's, you know, it's just a way, <clears throat> I mean, and like I said, it's, it's not intentional, but take note sure. that it's, that's what happens. We get geared up. We get culturally, we're culturally geared to help people November through January. Yeah. <clears throat> but maybe the spirituality is that we, we, we're just open-eyed more all year round. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point hmm. is to, to think about those things that you guys do during the holiday season that are really important to your church and expand that how can you be of service beyond the holiday season throughout the remainder of the year when people are still hungry when people are still looking for clothes when people are still in need how can you take what you're already doing and just do it all year long good good questions applying the scripture let's jump there sharing our insights i've learned a lot you have taught me a lot this lesson i'm i'm going to have to sit and think about think about you know it your, your husband's gonna be washing your feet <laughs> sorry chris he hates feet too so i don't know about that <laughs> i'll let you tell him yeah. <laughs> yeah no there's there's a lot of things like how do we i think the thing that's um that you're really smacking me with for my own personal being um this thing is is the receiving aspect 
Yeah, it's the receiving aspect, but I'll even yeah. go further. I'm sorry. I got to keep doing no. this. No, no, keep going. Like, Just drive it home today. Again, it is, it's, it's the fact that ministry is dirty. It's uncomfortable. It, you can be apprehensive. I mean, these are just truths. And so like a foot washing would be different if it wasn't so out there. Like if it was still normal practice, then everybody would be comfortable with it. Like it, but it's not. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is then again, it still forces you to think the fact that yeah, washing feet are gross. But like, if you really did a lot of God's will, it'd be gross. If you really worked with prostitutes and drug addicts and homeless people. And so it's uncomfortable and it's no fun. And you'd rather right. send your money. And so in, in another way, what it does is to say, wait, this thing that God has called us to is, man, this is intense and uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I totally agree. God has put me in so many uncomfortable positions, um, things that I, I just can't even imagine that I would have ever been in. And yet the lessons that I learned from them, the understanding that I gleaned from them, and just the opportunity to serve people in places where they didn't think it was possible for someone to help them yeah. or didn't think somebody would. Um, oh my gosh, the it, beauty that has come out of that. You grow in uncomfortable situations. Yes. You will not grow if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're not challenged. It sure. is human nature to yes. accept the status quo. Yeah. And so in scripture... God tells Abraham to go where I'm not going to tell you that's uncomfortable. Moses, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. I don't know what's going on. So the Lord has his full attention. Israelites coming, you know, their biggest thing was I'd rather go back to Egypt and die or be a slave than to, than yeah. to do this uncomfortable thing. I might Because They had cucumber and melon back there. At least they were fed. Yeah. So like that's again, I, now if, if foot, again, if foot washing became something that was rote, then it's lost its point. Mm -hmm. But if it mm -hmm. makes you uncomfortable, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Because we want those mountaintop moments. That's what we talk about all the time is those mountaintop moments, but we don't recognize that it's through the valley, those moments of, of trial and tribulation that we learn the most and that God is still with us as we walk through that process. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So, man, I will she, say, I, I would go like ahead. To highlight her, her, her playing the scripture. Like I didn't have kids. Well, I saw what havoc this whole pandemic thing did on my stepdaughter when it came to um, sure. school and things. But I really did like this in the context of the last supper. Uh, Reverend Newell talks about her daughter having the, the, what first, first last, last. When, she, yeah, when she was a senior, last. it was the first last um band competition first last whatever and then all of a sudden things do get kind of real when it becomes not the first last but the last last the last last that's tough and it's part of growing up and it's part of our spirituality too i guess in a lot of sense. yeah but that Absolutely. was good that's a very good and then when she kind of juxtaposes it with you know jesus was a toddler at one point he knew these things were coming and even though yeah. he knew something better was at hand it's still you got to go through it you got to walk out lonesome valley yeah. You've mm. got to send all of your kids out of your house. That was, that was our last, last this week is our, our last hoorah prayerfully. 
our last two raw with all of our children at home. So my husband and I are officially empty nesters and that's been a whole process of just trying to understand what that means to be an empty nester now. That's, that's different. Yeah. Our last, last. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, she I like, Oh, go ahead. She closes this section with Jesus's life was shaped by that's knowledge. Yeah. And ours in contrast is shaped by faith. There's much we cannot know and will not know about others, about God, about God's timeline, and maybe even about ourselves while we're still on this side of heaven. I love really that paragraph. paragraph. That, that was, was a really good paragraph. paragraph. She did a great job. Jennifer, so, yeah. if you're listening to this, man, really good lesson. Yeah, good job, Jennifer. Really good lesson. Do you have any parting thoughts, anything else you want to throw in there? I mean, it was just, she had so much and I've learned so much. Thank you for sharing with me this, this uh, lesson time. I mean, it's really going to make me think and, and teachers, if you're participating in this, maybe. Yeah. I can't say anything that I've said is like a theologically driven thing. It's just observation, but that's the point of examples and it's the point of yes. doing things is the observation and so like if you come to anything whether it be foot washing or you know lord supper i mean you're looking for the observations of what what is happening to you and what's the symbolic what's the symbolism of it what am i and and man um i was talking to a fellow pastor who doesn't do a lot of the lenten season stuff but if you do it you experience it and it's a way of preaching right it's just yes. not, you're not being directed by a pastor. You have to think this is a piece of body I have in my hand. This is a cup of blood and I'm yeah. eating it. Or why is this person touching my feet? <laughs> what? It, yes. Why am yeah. I fasting? Oh, this yeah. is so terrible. Yeah. Um, Ash so anyway. Wednesday. Why did you put the ashes on your ashes head? On your head it, you know, right? what was that a remembrance of? And, I, and I'll say, even on Ash Wednesday, I remember the first time I took Ash Wednesday thing. It's just I remember having this ash on my head, which made me feel very, very strange. Of course, it doesn't feel strange, that part of it. But then you go to the grocery store and people, especially in the South, if you're not dominated in a Catholic area, they're, yeah, and they're, going, and they're like, what the heck is wrong with him? And like, I remember thinking to myself, this is the first time the dirt was on the outside. I can hide my sin and people think that I'm not strange. But then when right. the sin's on my face... They're like, ah, oh, that's a crazy person. And you're like, spiritually, I am and I need help. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. All this rich, symbolic meaning of, of this outward experiences. Oh, my gosh. Beautiful and transformative. It should change us. Yeah, it should help it. us grow. It should help us become more wise and, and be deeper with God. And my prayer is that if you decide to do a foot washing, that it does change you and, and go deeper with you. Exactly. Um, and I'll say this, I've got, uh, we do DMT check-ins. Uh, so every, I think the first, second, first Tuesday of every month, uh, we have a little group that gets together. And anyway, I have written out just some different ideas that you could do for, um, Holy Week and through the Easter season and some different activities your church might do during Holy Week. So if you would be interested in those, you can contact me at cfleming at cumberland.org and I can send those to you. It's different types of worship services you could do, tenebrae service, foot washing services, um, stripping of the altar. It could be uh, all kinds of things that I've just collected. So if you're interested, please let me know. Absolutely. Send us That's what all I've got. 
All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and bring you peace. Brothers and sisters, may you have a beautiful and wonderful week. We'll see you next week. week. Bye, guys.